you have to assure yourself that all this work that you're doing through the course of the season is going to have some productive end result beyond just benefiting the environment. After all, with all the glory, it was a business for me. Welcome to Notes from the Bee Yard. You're listening to episode 33, Here Come the Credits. Beekeeping can feel like a solitary craft, yet it doesn't happen alone. Working with bees ties you into your surrounding landscape and the people around you, first as a learner and a neighbor, and then perhaps eventually as a honey producer or even a teacher. My name is Laura Tyler. I'm your producer and host. This is episode 33, Here Come the Credits, written by Tom Theobald in 1991 and read by Tom in 2021. With the help of some of the members of the Boulder County Beekeepers Association, I conducted a one-day class on beekeeping on April 6th. I think it is a testament to the strange magnetism of beekeeping that 30 people willingly spent a beautiful spring Saturday inside, learning about something which for most of them is only a hobby. I thought about that as the day progressed. Beekeeping draws devotees from all segments of society. Teachers and parents, scientists and janitors, eggheads, heavy equipment operators, surgeons and insurance agents. While for most of these people beekeeping is a relatively minor part of their lives, they are drawn to the craft with the same intensity as those who pursue it as a livelihood, perhaps more. Even though I am deeply involved in beekeeping myself, I sometimes have difficulty explaining what it is that keeps me in it. It is hot, sweaty, heavy, often discouraging work. It requires a large dose of faith. All the work has to be done up front, from March to September before you even know if there will be any tangible rewards at the end. For some people, that first involvement with bees is like the striking of a tuning fork, and once the vibrations start, they never end. For others, the tuning fork produces only a clunk. We held the class in the left-hand Grange building, the oldest Grange in Colorado. I have a special affection for the two-story white frame Grange building. In our early years in Niwot, Barbara and I were members of the volunteer fire department. The old two-story station stands right behind the Grange building, on land donated by the Grange. We used to have our annual chili suppers in the Grange building. Steam poured from every crack in the fire station out into the cold February air. As dusk fell, we would ferry steaming pots of chili over to the Grange kitchen as the first people began to arrive. 
In snowy years, a long line of people stretched out the door and down the lee side of the building. Through the frosty windows, we could see them huddled against the cold and storm as they waited to do their civic duty, eat the firemen's chili, meet their neighbors, and spend a small-town night out. While the Grange has a strong prohibition against alcohol, a little digging in the snowbank between the buildings would usually reveal a six-pack here and there, maybe a bottle of wild turkey, Yukon Jack, or Yellowstone, for medical purposes only, of course. For those inclined, these condiments took the edge off a tiring day of cooking and serving chili. Only occasionally, while respecting the Grange's sensibilities, did a few of us get a little over-medicated by the time the last pot was washed. Times have changed in Niwot, though. A large new fire station sits up the hill by the high school. The chili supper is held at the elementary school, where there is much more room and a more efficient kitchen. But some of the ambiance of the early days is gone. Which is one of the reasons I enjoy having the beekeepers congregate at the Grange, where the atmosphere of the venerable old building lends to any event. During the course of the day, one of the beekeepers asked what I thought the season might be like. That elicited what has become my standard response to questions like that at this time of year. That's like asking what the movie will be like after you've seen the credits. No, she said. I mean, what does it look like right now? I replied, it doesn't look like anything. We haven't even seen the credits yet. The day before the class, as I procrastinated, trying to avoid going inside to organize things for the next day, the garden called irresistibly. As I raked the last of the debris from the asparagus patch, I stopped for a moment and looked down at the dry earth, short gray stubs of plants from last year, the only indication of a former bounty. And I wondered as I stood there when the first green spear would break the earth. At dawn this morning, the day after the class, I walked out for the Sunday paper and noticed that the leaves on the chokecherries have begun to unfold. The neighbor's daffodils are blooming, the lilac buds are opening, even the dandelions have begun to open on the side of the road where the extra warmth has brought them out. And then, as I walked out through the garden to do the chickens, I glanced at the asparagus patch. In the single day I had spent inside bottled up, the asparagus patch had sprung to life. The tallest spear is fully 14 inches high, and tonight we'll savor the first meal of fresh new asparagus. In only 24 hours, the credits have begun to flash upon the screen, and more will come each day. View the next few weeks through the eyes of the beekeepers and see what the credits reveal to you.
Tom, it sounds like you had cabin fever when you wrote this piece. Probably, yeah, probably. <laughs> well, I think the uh, anyone who's a gardener is drawn to the outside as the season progresses. And I think that the uh, asparagus patch is the perfect signal. Um, one day you have nothing but rubble, and two days later you have a tall spear of asparagus, and you're looking forward to a delicious dinner. <laughs> this episode is its both funny and it's a little bit poignant at the same time. I think it's poignant for me because maybe the last time I saw Barbara was probably at the Grange. And so I do have fond memories of spending time with you all there. For the last three years of her life, Barbara was the master of the Grange. Yeah. What, what is the master of the Grange? That's like the president, like the director. Mm -hmm. The historic term is the master. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was especially memorable because her her quiet, gentle management qualities emerged when she was the master of the Grange. Mm -hmm. People loved Barbara, and they loved to, to please her and do what she wanted done. And so she didn't have to force people into doing anything. Her management mm -hmm. qualities were, were quiet and subtle but very effective. Yeah. I should let people know that the Boulder County Beekeepers Association met for many years in the wintertime at the Grange, so I've been there many times when there's snow and it's cold and it's icy out, so I know exactly what that feels like. And then you have this description where you talk about the frosty windows huddled against the cold, people waiting to do their civic duty. Well, Niwot was fairly small, and one of the uh, only community get-togethers was the Fireman's Chili Supper. And that's where uh, Niwot residents had a chance to not only contribute to the fire department, but to sit across the table from their neighbors to enjoy good chili, and it was good chili. We had an excellent chili recipe. And it was an opportunity for them to get to know their neighbors, one of the few that was offered at that time. So it was more than just a fire department chili supper. It was a chance for the community to gather and get to know each other and talk about issues and it was a wonderful opportunity in the beginning. What you're talking about, this chance for neighbors to meet, it's so important for communities, and I also don't want to romanticize it. It's not really, it's not always easy. Um, you know, people have busy lives. They've got school, they've got work, and then to take this break, and maybe you're a little shy, and to go out, at, like for some people, it takes a big effort. So I just want to acknowledge this uh, the duty part of civic duty yes it, yeah it's it's beautiful but it's not always easy it's part of the life of a small town mm -hmm. we all know the history of the grange and we respected that and we respected the people who had been grange members for years so it was an honor to be a part of that 
both as firemen and as residents of Niwot, to be a part of the history of the Grange, the history of the town. And uh, we all took that responsibility as a great honor. It sounds like when I ask you about atmosphere, you're remembering the stories. It's the history of the place that lent it its atmosphere for you. Would that be fair? Well, over time, uh, the fortunes of Niwot waxed and waned. And in the early part of the last century, it was sort of a hustle and bustle of agricultural activities. But those began to die out as agriculture changed and and Niwot changed. And for a time, Niwot took on the feeling of a ghost town. But the Grange building was one of those things that prevailed, that maintained Niwot as a community. We all recognized that, and we all honored that. Can you explain in a nutshell for folks who are listening that have never been in a Grange Hall, what is a Grange? Well, the Grange began in the 1800s. I guess the uh, railroad bears some of the responsibilities. The, uh, the railroad enticed the farmers to come out and establish agriculture and then began to stick it to them with obsessive freight rates. One of the responses to that was the creation of the Grange Movement, which was an organization which represented the interests of the farmers to the legislators. Hmm. Yeah, so it sounds like the Grange is a union for agriculture. Yes, yeah, it represented agriculture. Hmm. And and today, its objectives have changed considerably as agriculture has declined. The Grange has tried to provide service to the community in other ways. And then one other uh, piece that I wanted to talk about, it's from the beginning of the episode. You say... Even though I'm deeply involved in beekeeping, I sometimes have difficulty explaining what it is that keeps me in it. And so I wanted to invite you 30 years on, so we're 30 years after you wrote that line. Can you try and explain? Beekeeping is more than a profession. It's a view of life and your place in that life, the part you take in the health of the environment. And it's not just a profession. It was a profession for me, but it was more than a profession. It was an expression of my view of the world and my place in it. Thank you for listening to Notes from the Bee Yard. As you may know, Tom Theobald passed away in November 2021. There's going to be a memorial service and celebration of life in remembrance of Tom on Saturday, June 11th at the Left Hand Grange No. 9 in Niwot, Colorado. 
And if you'd like more information, reach out to me at notesfromthebeyard.buzz. We'll be back in two weeks with episode 34 on Friday, June 17th at noon. 